Great song, isn't it? Great song. Very uh, uplifting, very uh, reinforcing to what we believe, and encourages us to go to the source, doesn't it? Go to the source. That's Jesus, yes. So, scripture this morning is found in the book of Romans, chapter 14. We're going to read 17 through 19. Of course, tomorrow's Labor Day, isn't it? So, I want you all to have a good Labor Day. I want you to maybe do less labor and a little more eating. <laughs> A little more visiting with family and uh, praising God for his goodness. A lot of things wrong, but there's still a lot of things right, aren't there? Yeah, there absolutely are. A lot of things still right. And we want to focus on the blessings and on the goodness. Trust God for his leadership, guidance in all lives. Stand with me for the reading of the word. If you're able. Romans 14, beginning to read at verse 17, we're breaking in on thoughts that St. Paul is giving to the Romans, a place that he had not as yet been, but he's sending to them some godly instruction and direction. Romans 14:17 For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. One may build up. One may encourage. One may help another to advance, edify another. Let's bow our heads for prayer. And Lord, we bow before you, not just because of habit, but we come out of sincere need, realizing, dear Lord, that this is your word, this is your time. Lord, I've been asked to deliver a message to this people this morning, and I pray, dear Lord, that your word will flow freely through me to them. I pray, dear Lord, that you'll help us to have a firm faith, a firm grasp upon the things that scriptures teach us, Help us, dear Lord, we pray, to always remember this is our guidebook. It is correct. It is right. It does not need to be updated. It does not need to be changed to go with our times, but we need to change to go with it. I pray, dear Lord, for your help, guidance, and direction upon us this morning. Thank you for all you do, and thank you for your blessings. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> I 
I came across something in my reading that I wanted to share with you. It's just a story. You all like Sherlock Holmes and Watson, Dr. Watson, don't you? Well, Ron, Ron Blue conveys this story. Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson were on a camping trip. After a good dinner by the campfire, they retired for the night. Several hours later, Holmes awoke and nudged his faithful friend. Watson, wake up and tell me what you see. I see millions of stars, Holmes. And what do you deduce from that, Watson? Watson pondered the question and finally said, well, astronomically, it tells me that there are billions of galaxies and planets. Astrologically, I observe that Satan is, or Saturn is in Leo. Horologically, I deduce that the time is approximately a quarter past three. Meteorologically, I suspect that we will have a beautiful day tomorrow. Theologically, I can see that God is all-powerful and that we are a smart, small part of the universe. Feeling rather pleased with his thorough observa observation, Watson then asked Holmes, what does it tell you, Sherlock? Holmes rolled his eyes. Watson, you idiot. It tells me that someone has stolen our tent. <laughs> so you can miss the main point, can't you? <laughs> you can miss the main point. And my thought on the message this morning is that there are a lot of things that we can say about Christianity, about our faith. We can explore a lot of avenues. We can go into great detail about the, the great fulfillment of promises of the Old Testament and how they are fulfilled in the New, how Christ is the completion of God's plan of salvation for our souls and that he is altogether adequate for every need. And yet uh, we can miss what we all ought to celebrate every day of our lives. And that is what Paul has talked here in verse 18, well in verse 17 where he says, the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And my question to you is, are you enjoying your salvation? <laughs> are you enjoying your salvation? That is the greatest feeling, and I realize we cannot live strictly by emotion, but it's a wonderful thing to think about what Jesus has done for us and how he has set us free 
and how we are made a part of the family of God by faith in Jesus Christ. What a, what a glorious, what a glorious thing God has done for us. And though I realize that we cannot live by emotion because sometimes sadness comes, and I realize that sometimes we go through dark times, and yet somehow, if we will really focus on what the Lord has done for us, even in the darkest of times, we still have to say, praise the Lord. <laughs> praise the Lord for what he's done. I have joy in my heart because of Jesus. I have, I have something that gives me cheer even in the dark days that he's my savior and that he has done all this for me. You see, the Bible uh, tells us that there were problems that were being experienced in the Christian church. Paul addressed them in Corinthians. Paul addresses them here in Romans. And we need to realize that Paul begins by talking about uh, what God has done for us and how we need to be as we live for the Lord. Romans 12, 1 and 2, you know, are great, great verses uh, to really bring us into focus on how we ought to be because Paul says there, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It's a great, it's a great opportunity we have to give ourselves wholly to the Lord, to be sanctified through and through to his will, and to say, I'm going to let the Holy Spirit rule and reign in my life. As I was down at the hospital last week several times, I went in to see uh, a person other than my cousin, and uh, he was getting ready to have a procedure, and so I had to, had to sit down for a little bit. Uh, the uh, person at the desk, uh, one of the people at the desk, a, a gentleman, um, said something about uh, me being a minister in the Church of Christ. And I said, well, actually, it's the Church of Christ in Christian Union. Do you know the difference? <laughs> no, he didn't know the difference. I said, so I said, well, we're similar to uh, Nazarene, Wesleyan. And he probably didn't know what that meant either. It was probably all Greek to him. Uh, I said, we have music, uh, musical accompaniment by instruments in our church. Uh, some churches of Christ do not have. Oh, he said. <laughs> oh, uh, I wouldn't like that, he said, uh, that you couldn't have instrumental music. Uh, he said, uh, if someone was singing off key, there wouldn't be any organ or piano to cover it up. I said, well, that's right. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so, you know, it was a little banter back and forth, and then uh, I thanked him for his humor, 
And, uh, and uh, so I sat down and he said, uh, he said uh, something about uh, would he and his wife, he and his, his man wife, <laughs> be allowed to come to my church? <laughs> and I said, absolutely you can come to my church. But we believe marriage is between a man and a woman. And so I, I just stated the facts right there. I said, you're welcome to come, and uh, we'd be glad to have you come. So the, the things that are stated, you know, uh, we, want, we want people to come, whether, uh, whether they see things the way they ought to yet or not, because God has a way of correcting our vision, doesn't he, and helping us to see things the way they ought to be and to bring our lives into conformity. Uh, I was thinking as uh, uh, Tom read over the, the rules and he mentioned the one that was on uh, tobacco and so forth and, and, uh, and I thought, well, now that applies to members. That's not anybody that comes in. We're glad to have smokers come. We're glad to have we're glad to have drinkers come. Uh, how else are they going to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ? Uh, you don't have to, you don't have to uh, say, I don't use tobacco, I don't use alcohol to come into the church. Uh, you're allowed to come. Uh, but you can't be a member of the church and, and uh, be engaged in those things. Uh, so God's got a chance to work on people and to bring conviction to them. But we definitely want them to come. We definitely want people to feel free to invite anybody to come and be in the service. Because, folks, we believe in the power of the gospel. We believe in the power of the gospel. Amen. Not the power of rhetoric. Not the, not the convincing arguments that the pastor will give. But we believe what the Bible says. And we believe that when people come to Christ, that they are made new in him. God begins a work. Doesn't mean that everything automatically is taken care of as far as habits and difficulties. Uh, sometimes it takes a while for God to do the work and for people to align themselves with the will of God. Uh, but we want people to come and give their lives to Christ and let the Lord work in their lives, in their hearts and lives. So the, these people that Paul was writing to and said these wonderful things, uh, they were of at least two different groups. One group was those who were Jewish. Uh, how had Jews been raised? They had been raised with a lot of various rules and regulations, feast days, uh, different prohibitions, uh, things that were part of, of their custom, part of the teaching of the Old Testament for those who were offspring of Abraham, physical offspring. And then there were also the Gentiles. And the Gentiles 
where, where did they come from? Where, what was their background? Well, uh, many of them would have been involved in immorality. They would have been involved in maybe even emperor worship. Uh, they would have been involved in all kinds of things that would be detestable to a Jewish person that was raised, raised in church, so to speak. Think about, <clears throat> think about our differences in our culture today. With, we talk about uh, people that can't speak, can't speak uh, the language of orthodoxy. They they don't know what some of the words mean. Uh, they're afraid that they'll be embarrassed, and they they can't pronounce some of the Bible words, and uh, and so they they don't want to be publicly embarrassed and humiliated. Uh, some of us have been in church all of our lives, and. Uh, really isn't a problem. I remember, I've to probably told you this, David Latimer told it a number of times, our missionary evangelist who was for a long time our general missionary superintendent. He, he came from Capital University. Is that right? No, it was Ohio State University. Um, he, wanted to, uh, he wanted to be a lawyer and uh, his brother Jim went and witnessed to him. <coughs> David knew for a long time that God wanted him to be a preacher, even when he was a sinner. He was raised with that, with a, some Christian influence. And so uh, Jim said, why don't you give your heart to Jesus, David? He said, because if I do, I'll have to be a preacher. And... Uh, so they prayed in the dorm room there. David was on a free ride. His, he had a relative that was paying for his education to be a lawyer. And so David decided he was going to go God's way. He, uh, he went down to uh, Ohio Christian, or Circleville Bible College at that time. And of course, uh, Melvin Maxwell was the president. Melvin was ready to sign him up. <laughs> he could be a, a student at, a, at uh, Circleville Bible College. Just that quick, he was out of a paid education at OSU and lawyer. And, and David was quite a fire, fireball, I'll tell you that. <laughs> when he'd stand up and talk in chapel. Uh, he would he would give those people that were kind of living on the on the edge. He would give them a shake <laughs> because of his testimony. We came out of uh, Ewing Ross's Old Testament survey class, and uh, we'd had a quiz, a test, and David's coming out. He's shaking his head. He said. Who in the world is the son of none? <laughs> I said, oh, that was Joshua. Joshua, well, of course, son of none was N-U-N. It wasn't N-O-N-E. <laughs> so so he, that was the family name, N-U-N. And uh, he didn't know that. So he, for years, he has, he has always said, Here's the man that knew who was the son of nine. 
And, uh, but you know, there are a lot of people that they're not around church and they're not around how to say words. And, uh, you know, Job is not Job, it's Job. And uh, Psalms is not Psalms, it's Palms. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just a lot of things you don't know. And they can be intimidated. Well, Gentiles. So we had, we had people who had religious background. We had the Jews. We had people that had no religious background. They were Gentiles. And lived lived just how sinners live, without any restraint whatsoever, except for their own well-being and maybe for their own benefits. So Paul is writing to them at Rome, and Paul, Paul gives them some instructions. And when he comes down to the subject of how people are being received in chapter 14. He says in verse 1, Him that is weak in the faith receive you, but not to a doubtful disputation or holding them, in other words, at arm's length. And he's addressing the need for charity among believers because they were having a problem. They had their idol feasts and there was meat that had been offered to idols. There were some people that would not eat that meat because it had been in an idol temple and it had been offered to idols. There were, there were others, the Jews, that felt like uh, that's wrong to eat of that eat of that meat and the Gentiles well, there was nothing to it. And so Paul is instructing them on how to do. If you look over in chapter 15, he talks, he talks about the Gentiles there. Uh, he says uh, in verse 8 of chapter 15, Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God. So circumcision is the Jews, who believed that they had to be circumcised in accordance with what the law was. Uh, it says in verse 9, and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, for this cause I will confess to thee, I will confess to thee among the Gentiles, and sing unto thy name. And again he saith, Rejoice, ye Gentiles, with his people. And in verse 11, and again, praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles, and loud him or praise him, all ye people. And it goes on uh, how God was bringing in the Gentiles. And of course, that's us. So you had, we had the, the Jews that were part of this church. We had the Gentiles that were part of this church. And... They were having a conflict because not the Gentiles were not as strict as the Jews. The Gentiles did not in, have all the background that the Jews had, did not see all the, all the problems. And the Gentiles lived openly and with less restrictions, less rules, didn't think a thing about it. Uh, 
Paul said what you need to do is major on what God has done for you. And you need to do it in a way that is receptive of each other. There's, there are differences. Paul knew that those differences were going to continue. Uh, but Paul wanted them to major on the main things. And the main thing was righteousness. That's what he says here in verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. We're not talking about what happened in the idol temple. We're talking about the kingdom of God. That it's not meat and drink, but it's righteousness. We are made right in the sight of God by Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that none of us has enough righteousness within ourselves to earn God's favor. And it has been said that all the righteousness that you could find in this world from the beginning of time, from Adam and Eve, in every continent, in every place, if you took all the righteousness of all the people in all the places and you brought it all together in one place and you said, this is, this is all the righteousness, would not be even one drop in the bucket to what God requires. For the Bible tells us our righteousness is like filthy rags. It's unacceptable because it's all tainted. It's all, it's all filled with sin and it's all filled with failure. And which one of us has not failed? <laughs> uh, it's amazing to me once in a while I'll find somebody that says, oh, I've always been a Christian. <laughs> you know, they were born that way. They were, they were born as a Christian. Uh, they didn't have to say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, because they were a Christian. And somebody said, well, if you're not a sinner, you can't go to heaven because Christ died for the sinners. He didn't die for the righteous. He died for sinners, so... There's no provision to get you to heaven unless you're a sinner. If you're a sinner, Jesus died for you and you can be forgiven and you can have a title clear to a home in heaven and be with the Lord Jesus Christ. No, none of us are righteous. I remember a story being told by Dr. John R. Church about a woman that came, a young woman that came to the altar when he had preached a sermon and, and uh, she, was, she was praying for the Lord to forgive her for her sins. And uh, he said uh, while she was praying, while they were at altar service, her mother came up. He said her, her mother, you could tell her mother was a social butterfly. Uh, she had all the amenities and everything just right and she, and she came up and while her daughter was trying to pray she said now honey now honey you know you're a good person you know that you're not and I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember the exact words you're not like these sinners and you're not like these other people and uh, John R. Church said that this young woman turned around to her mother and said, 
Mother, you don't know what I've done. And you don't know what I've been involved in. Yes, she did need to pray. And if we're honest, every one of us have gone astray. We've all sinned. And, and the person speaking to you now is no exception. God didn't call me to be a preacher because I was such a good little guy <laughs> that uh, he thought, well, I can, I can use him because he's a good example. And if he, if he did, after I was a good little guy, I wasn't a good big guy. <laughs> I have sinned and come short. And I've had to come back to the altar and ask the Lord to forgive me, even after tasting of the good things of God. I've had to ask for forgiveness. I've had to ask other people to forgive me because I'm certainly not a perfect example of how good a person can be. You know, that is the thing. Uh, people today want to say, well, there's good in all of us. Just, just look deep enough and, and you'll find the goodness that you have. Um, you'll, find, you'll find that down underneath the layers of failure and, and uh, corruption, you'll find the real, the real you. And that is akin to God. And that's not scripture, folks. The Bible teaches us that we are all people who have been subject to depravity and we've all gone our own way and we've turned away from God and we've, we've been told in the scripture that the only way we can be right is because of Jesus coming because God laid on him according to Isaiah 53 the iniquity of us all the sin of all of us was laid on him because he is sinless so the righteousness that we need is the righteousness that comes from God. It's not any righteousness from within us. But I am glad to tell you this morning that there is not only imputed or accounted righteousness, there is also imparted righteousness. That when we come to Jesus and he forgives our sins, no, we're not set on a path where now we don't, we don't need the help of God, the Holy Spirit, or any of that. We still, every day, need the power and presence of the Holy Spirit and the power of God in our lives. And yes, we can mess up. And if we do, we can, you know, some people misuse it, but we can use 1 John 1, 9, can't we? If, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The thing is that God can put within us a desire to do what is right and to live as clean as we possibly can to glorify him. And that's what Jesus said, so that men would see our good works and glorify our Father, which is in heaven. Not brag on us, but on God that gives us the ability to do good things and to live the way we ought to live. So yeah, we all ought to try every day to do, do the best we can to please the Lord. We don't want to bring displeasure to Him. We don't want to 
we don't want to bring shame or reproach on him. Uh, we want to be people who are living as examples that we are children of the king, that we are children of the Lord God. And so God can impart righteousness to us. Uh, we're no longer the same people we were. And so sometimes when we use those expressions, you know, Paul said that he was a sinner. And I know Paul was acknowledging his failures. But sometimes we can actually uh, make the Christian life less than it is because there are a lot of people that live like the devil and think they're headed for heaven, don't they? And we can live, we can live for the Lord and let our light shine. And we need to do that. And we see a lot of the other for, for whatever convenience that people want to have some kind of reputation even though they're going in the opposite direction is what the Bible teaches. But God can help us to be the kind of people. Isn't it good to go to the Lord in prayer? You don't have to, you don't have to be like the, the Pharisee that went up to the temple and, and bragged to God how good he was. But aren't you glad you can go to God and feel like you have done your best to live for the Lord? And that, yeah, you know you still have missteps, but... He's put a desire in you, and there's a magnetism that pulls you toward right and toward good. And you have a forgiving spirit. You have to have a forgiving spirit, folks. Uh, you, have to, you have to let things go because all of us mess up. And, I mean, I know sometimes I open my mouth when I should keep my mouth shut. Uh, and not uh, appreciated sometimes uh, so <laughs> that's the way it is but but uh, you know you you can try you can try and let God give you guidance and direction and and help uh, so yeah uh, you know it always bugged me when I was looking for a, looking for a job early on in my life I haven't been looking for one for a while but uh, uh, it would say, uh, you know, experience required. And, and I thought, how can I get experience? You won't hire me. <laughs> so, uh, so what is experience? It's yesterday's failures, isn't it? It's what you've messed up. And you know, you know not to do that again. So in the Christian life, sometimes it is messing up. And then coming back and saying, I can do it better. If God will help me, I'll try to do it better. I'll try to glorify him. So it's righteousness and it's peace. And what a wonderful thing that is. Uh, we're told, <coughs> excuse me, uh, that now we have peace with God. And that's what Jesus kept saying when he came back from the tomb. Peace be unto you, didn't he? Peace be unto you. Uh, not the wrath of God, but peace. So wonderful to have that peace. You don't have to drown out all your, all your thoughts. And you don't have to try to drown them in booze. You don't have to try to 
You don't have to try to drown them out with, with music, with constant noise. Some people cannot stand quiet. And I hope you're not one of them because quiet's a wonderful thing. And quiet can be such a blessing because God wants to speak to you in the quiet. And if you've always got blaring noise, if you've always got, <clears throat> some people have the TV going like chewing gum. You know what I mean? It's just, just something to have noise. Uh, it's just good to get quiet. If, you, if you're one of them that has, doesn't do that, you ought to try to get to a place. The Bible talks about our, our going into our secret closet. And that's not taking our transistor radio, which used to be. I know it's not that way anymore, but your cell phone. Leave your cell phone out there, uh, your smartphone, whatever. And just get alone with God and give him a chance to speak to your heart. And, and let, your, let your thoughts roam a little bit. <clears throat> Somebody said they didn't worry too much. <coughs> Excuse me, about about the uh, interference in their prayer life with the schedule coming in that they had to accomplish that day because they said that I pray about those things then. Well, I do that sometimes. I, I, I think I'm talking to the Lord and then, I, then something comes to mind. And then the Lord says, <clears throat> I want you to do this with that. I'm not saying you can just let your mind go every which way, but sometimes as you meditate and ponder, then it comes to you how to do this, how to do that, or what, what's the best way to handle this. I see some of you know what I'm talking about because you've been there and you, you humanly don't know what to do, and then you get direction. You feel like this is right. This is what I need to do. God's going to help me do it. And so you've gotten that direction. So, yeah, the peace of God, uh, we're, we're told to let the peace of God rule in our hearts, a peace that passes understanding. Uh, Uncle Buddy Robinson used to call it the peace that passes your Ph.D. The peace that passes your Ph.D. It, it goes beyond your own reason. And it brings such comfort and help to your heart. And my time's getting away from me quickly. And the last is joy. Joy in the Holy Ghost. Not, not joy in anything else, but joy in the Holy Ghost. And you see that through the scriptures. The joy of salvation, the joy of the Holy Ghost working in us. Uh, if you read in Luke 15, <clears throat> the scripture tells us that when the lost sheep was found, there was rejoicing. When the lost coin was found, there was rejoicing. But the scripture tells us that in Acts chapter 8, that when Philip preached to the Samaritans and they received the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior in Acts 8, 8, that there was great joy in that city. There was great joy. Uh, you can have joy even when the Buckeyes are not winning. Wow, there's a downer, isn't it? <laughs> Pretty
preacher, why'd you have to say that? Well, they won last night, so that's why I said it. So <laughs> I, I didn't know they won until I woke up and, and uh, looked, uh, tried to find news, and it was past news time. <clears throat> I kind of drifted off. I wasn't trying to watch the Buckeyes. I was just trying to sit down. And uh, there's a button somewhere on my backside. When I sit down, it closes my eyes. And so uh, when I woke up, uh, they were talking. They had a day on there talking about the team and different team members, and I found out that they had won. Uh, but, you know, you c sometimes we get our sights set on things that don't matter a whole lot. Um, it don't affect my bank account, whatever goes on with the team. <clears throat> and so, you know, it's, if it's fun, it's fun. Enjoy it. <laughs> but it, we can have joy in Jesus. And so there's great joy in the city of Samaria. Uh, they were rejoicing because they knew their sins were forgiven. Remember when the eunuch, when, when the eunuch was baptized and went on his way after he had, he had found Jesus as his Savior? The scripture says that he went on his way rejoicing. He went on his way rejoicing. We got a song like that, don't we? I'm rejoicing night and day as I walk the narrow way. For the hand of God in all my life I see. Well, it's great to know Jesus as our Savior. And so, Watson, you idiot. <laughs> Quit looking at the dark side. <laughs> Start rejoicing in what Jesus has done and is doing. And keep your eyes focused on him and let him work in your life. So that's my message this morning, and I trust it inspires you and encourages you when you're going through the dark times to remember we've got a wonderful treasure in Jesus Christ. We've got all we need, folks. Stand with me this morning if you